um, but the real estate sector is facing much greater, broader challenges uh, than perhaps we've seen in the past. It will take longer uh, for the recovery to come over the next 12, 24, maybe even 36 months until we mm. see the full uh, recovery. Uh, maybe more my wife. Uh, yeah. My wife's my real real estate expert. Oh, really? So we've made a few uh, uh, good investments over the years. Um, mm. Not too over the top, but in general, <laughs> real estate has been, uh, in Vietnam, has been mm. um, a good performer. Đây là The Insight, một podcast của Dinh, nơi trò chuyện cùng những người chủ doanh nghiệp và chuyên gia đầu ngành để cùng trao đổi và phân tích về những vấn đề đang nổi lên trên thị trường kinh doanh và đầu tư. Tôi là Lan Anh và khách mời ngày hôm nay của chúng ta là ông Neil McGregor, giám đốc điều hành Savills Việt Nam. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay, so welcome to the Insight New. Thanks so much for your acceptance to join us today. So as far as I know, Savills now for a wide range of uh, like uh, services in real estate. However, in this podcast, I would like to ask you and discuss more about the uh, merger and acquisition market. We know it as uh, the M&A, yeah, right? Yes. So um, actually, it has been over a month since you mentioned on an article that uh, Savills investment service business now is uh, like had never ever been busy due to like uh, increased inquiries from sellers right yeah. so how would you describe the the working atmosphere right now at Savos Vietnam it remains extremely busy uh, yeah. we continue to get increasing numbers of inquiries from sellers uh, wanting to um, access capital yeah. um, and therefore coming to our teams for their um, expert advice Mm. which might be around deal structuring, mm. um, it might be raising capital, debt or equity, um, might be understanding pricing expectations from buyers yeah. and where they need to set uh, their expectations. But in general, the teams remain um, very busy. Um, mm. It's a challenging time in the market. Uh, sellers realize that, so they're more open perhaps coming to coming to us and seeking advice than they might have been uh, in the past. Um, so it, it's good for our investment teams, but not an easy time for everybody. <laughs> yeah, sure. So to give uh, like our audience a full picture, could you like uh, give a further analysis on the, the, the reason why companies have to sell their properties over yeah. the months? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a variety of reasons out there, but at the end of the day, it's liquidity. Yeah. Uh, so there is a lack of liquidity in the yeah. market. If you're a residential developer, um, yeah. it's challenging to, first of all, get your product to market. Yeah. Um, but then in the current environment, uh, the market is slow. Um, so mm. there aren't huge numbers of transactions happening. So, um, And if you're an office developer, um, you may be um, faced with the rising cost of debt. Yeah. Uh, interest rates are going up around the globe. Um, and that's increasingly a concern for uh, commercial developers in particular. Um, so they're looking for other sources of capital um, or maybe selling uh, the project in order to finance other projects. There are many reasons why people may look to sell. It may be uh, the cost of their own debt um, yeah. and they're under pressure um, to, to repay loans to the banks. Um, or it may be that they need capital for another project. Their, their primary business may be manufacturing or a, another uh, area of business other than real estate, and they need to raise capital 
through mm. the sale of their uh, real estate project or portfolio um, uh, to, to have capital uh, for their core business. Um, and there may be other issues such as shareholder uh, disputes or um, uh, reasons why deals can't be structured, legal paperwork, um, and therefore um, difficult to um, realize yeah. the cash flow uh, from the project. So better to sell if mm. there's a buyer out there, um, have the capital in hand, ready to deploy for um, a better project or yeah. a core business activity. So like with this perspective, I can understand that the M&A deals can support the, the real estate market right now, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, M&A deals can create that much needed liquidity. Yeah. Um, when cost, the cost of capital, whether it's debt from the banks is so high. I mean, we're looking at 14, 15% interest rates currently uh, for development finance. Mm. Um, there, there are other uh, options out there. Um, there is cheaper, mm -hmm. cheaper capital available. Yeah. So if M&A transactions can assist in that way, whether it's a project sale, whether it's bringing in um, a minority shareholder, just injecting mm -hmm. additional equity, mm -hmm. or whether it's helping source cheaper sources of debt, um, mm -hmm. which may be structured in such a way that the, the core interest rate can be lower, um, but there may be upside for the uh, debt provider um, if the project is successful. So there's, there's various means that M&A transactions can help create liquidity in an otherwise very challenging market. Yeah, everything you, sh you said are true, but mm. uh, from the, the authorities or some experts, I think yeah. that they might uh, be afraid of that, uh, the, the situation that uh, foreign companies can replace the local ones. Yes. So, yeah. Can you give some? Um, my view is yeah? that uh, those lo local companies are facing challenges. Yeah. And if foreign capital can help them navigate through those challenges, Mm -hmm. um, and help them um, raise raise capital, um, then that has to be good for their business in the long term. Um, a lot of uh, local groups have moved into real estate as a secondary business. It may not mm -hmm. be their core business. Yeah. Um, and if they can realize capital through the sale of real estate assets and use that capital to focus in their core business areas, then that has to be beneficial for uh, everybody, but particularly uh, the sellers. Um, and if they happen to be domestic Vietnamese companies, uh, then that, that should be beneficial for them as well. Um, projects sitting idle, let's say a half built hotel mm -hmm. isn't good for anybody. It, it's not good for the, yeah. the developer, the investor. It's not creating any cash flow, any return on their investment. So better that they sell that asset take the capital from the buyer and deploy it in another area where they can realize um, a return on their investment. Um, so I think it's all about deploying capital um, in the right way for the right investor. And that will create more liquidity and benefit all players in the market, including the overall economy as well, because mm, you're yeah. deploying uh, idle capital and creating uh, assets that are Uh, uh, creating a return on investment. Yeah, sure. So let's talk more about the detailed projects. Give some update on your status. For AAA 
I know that uh, you mentioned that Salvo is now uh, dealing with five deals, right? Yeah. Around five deals, yeah. I, yeah. I can't reveal the exact number, <laughs> but yeah, maybe yeah. in excess of five update? deals now. Can you give some update of uh, yeah, these deals? Yeah, I mean, deals? Um, closing deals is, is not easy at the moment. Yeah. Uh, there are many challenges which buyers and sellers face uh, to closing an M&A transaction. Um, it might be deal structuring, uh, which is one of Savile's strengths, um, and we can help with that. Um, it might be the cost of uh, debt. Um, so mm -hmm. buyers may not be able to raise debt on the terms that they um, would like in order to proceed mm -hmm. with a deal. Um, it may be legal paperwork. Um, so there are a multiple of reasons why closing deals remains very challenging. Mm -hmm. um, but what I would say is that discussions are ongoing um, mm -hmm. and there is a willingness from both buyers and sellers uh, to close the transactions if, if the uh, commercial terms can be agreed. Yeah, but what are the most uh, obstacles, uh, like the legal or the valuation? Um, so the, there are certainly pricing gaps still yeah. on many projects, um, and that, that remains a, a key challenge. Um, but I would say the broader challenges are around deal structuring um, and the legal paperwork, particularly for development projects. Um, and that's an area where we hope the government can really step in um, and assist um, with a much clearer uh, legal framework, um, then a lot of these M&A transactions will be able to move much faster um, mm. and you'll, you'll have um, much more satisfied buyers and sellers mm. and then projects can move forward, create liquidity and benefit the overall economy um, in the end. Mm, yeah. But how long will it take for a deal? So to typical M&A transactions yeah. in Vietnam take anywhere between six and 12 months. Oh. Our record is four months, oh. uh, which was for a more straightforward um, existing office asset. Mm. Um, so it's always going to take more than four months, um, yeah. but typically between six and 12 months. Mm, so, mm. so maybe we will have we will witness a boom in the M&A in, in the end of this year. We hope, certainly hope so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the teams are working hard to yeah. make that happen. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk uh, a detail more about the assets. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, segment or which size, the value. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's a broad cross section. Mm. Um, so obviously in hospitality, it's been a very challenging time through COVID. Mm. So there are many hospitality assets um, which are underperforming. Um, and if those hosp hospitality assets have been leveraged, so there is debt in play, it may be that the current cash flows cannot service that debt. Um, so we're, we're currently in discussions on a number of hospitality assets. Um, we're also very active in the office sector. Um, mm -hmm. We currently have three ongoing discussions um, regarding uh, office, um, existing office assets yeah. in both Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi. Mm. Um, and then the last sector would be the residential development area. But frankly speaking, that's more challenging because of the legal uh, issues yeah. and the, the lack of paperwork. Yeah. yeah. So I can understand that the office and the hospitality market will have troubles in the pricing gap. Or, sure. and, but in the residential properties will be the legal problems, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, Pretty much spot on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But who are the buyers? 
like the nationality? Um, it, it's a combination of locals and foreigners. Oh, um, yeah. So office assets have always been very attractive to foreign buyers um, and increasingly more institutional buyers, particularly mm -hmm. if they're grade A assets. They might mm -hmm. have green credentials, which are going to fit nicely in um, broader institutional office portfolios. Um, but uh, on the hospitality side, it, it's more local um, buyers that are, are looking at those hospitality assets, I would say. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, we have both foreigners and locals in both um, office and uh, hospitality. Mm. Yeah. So with your over 20 years uh, in Vietnam, right? Mm. Yeah. How do you feel about this? 22 um, years. 20 years? Yeah. Wow. So, so how do you view this uh, struggling period of time for the economy? Um, we've, we've been through challenging times before and Vietnam always surprises. <laughs> Vietnam always comes through these difficult periods, I would say remarkably um, well. I would say though for the real estate industry, uh, this time around it's particularly challenging Um, because there's a combination of factors. There's the difficulties coming out of COVID, um, which obviously has severely impacted the hospitality sector, but there's a lot of changes away around the way that office space is used around the world. Less changes in, in Vietnam specifically, but that does uh, impact um, uh, people's view of office as an asset class uh, for investment going forward. Um, and then, of course, the, the rising cost of debt around the world. It's not unique to Vietnam, but in Vietnam, we do have particularly high interest rates. Mm. Um, so that, that's a, a real challenge um, for the real estate sector at the moment. And then, of course, we have all of the challenges around planning approvals and the legal paperwork, um, which um, is unique to Vietnam um, in, in terms of its... Um, breadth and uh, impact on the ability for projects to to move forward. So there's a number of key challenges that make this a particularly difficult period uh, for the real estate sector. Um, Post-global financial crisis, uh, Vietnam's issues were more around the banking sector. And a lot of hard work went into resolving that yeah. and the banking sector is in better shape this time around. Um, but the real estate sector is facing much greater, broader challenges uh, than perhaps we've seen in the past. It will take longer uh, for the recovery to come. Yeah. yeah. But you, do you believe that there will be a, a strong rebound after that? Um, it depends on the sector. Yeah. So already in the hotel sector in Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi, we're seeing strong recovery. Occupancy rates are back at pre-COVID levels. Room rates are starting to rise above pre-COVID levels again. Um, and that will only get better as more tourists return. Yeah. Um, for resorts, it's a very different story. So resorts have done well from a booming domestic tourism sector, mm. but we haven't seen the return of international tourists Uh, in, in the way that we, we would like. Um, so a strong rebound, perhaps, if we can sort out some of the visa issues and um, mm. flight numbers pick up quickly, strong rebound, rebound in hospitality is possible. Office will be steadier. 
So a lot of office tenants are currently, what I would say, sitting on the fence, waiting to make decisions because they're uncertain about their own businesses and the broader global and Vietnam economy. Um, so they're waiting to make those key decisions about moving office or expanding their office space, whether they move to a hybrid office environment or whether they stick with a more traditional um, uh, office, office environment. So uh, those decisions are slow. And until we see um, strength in the global economy, mm -hmm. we're unlikely to see a strong rebound in that office tenant demand and hence um, the office investment that will follow with that. Residential's more challenging mm -hmm. um, because of the deep-rooted issues around the legal paperwork for projects and the ability for developers to bring their projects into the market. The demand fundamentals remain fantastic in Vietnam. We have a very low urbanization rate. Mm -hmm. People are going to continue to move to cities, creating demand for housing, education, healthcare, retail, etc. Um, but, um, uh, and also the demographics, you've got young people wanting to move out of multi-generational uh, homes. Mm -hmm. um, they don't want to be with mum and dad yeah. and grandparents and uncles and aunties in their apartments anymore. They want space, they want good facilities in good apartment projects. Um, and then you've got the overall growing middle class and hopefully a more competitive mortgage market coming back as well. Um, it's difficult in the current environment, but um, the banks are keen to build their mortgage portfolios with good quality um, home retail borrowers. So um, many, many positive aspects on the demand side. Yeah. We just need more supply. We yeah. need projects to come to market. And that can only happen uh, really with the government's support um, to facilitate uh, the processing of that legal paperwork so that developers mm. can launch into the market. Whether it's affordable, whether it's high-end, yeah. we just need more launches, more product in the market, um, and only then can we see a rebound. Um, on the secondary market side, it's very reliant on uh, interest rates coming down. So any anybody looking to buy a home is reluctant at the moment if to buy on the secondary market, if they have to borrow at 14, 15% interest rates, mm -hmm. it's very painful. But if interest rates can come back down to where they were pre-COVID around yeah. 10 or 12%, mm -hmm. um, then that starts to become more attractive. And then I think we'll see more liquidity uh, in, in the secondary market. Um, so I think we've got to be careful using um, uh, dramatic wording around um, a rapid recovery or yeah. a strong rebound, um, it will be steadier than that mm -hmm. um, over the next 12, 24, maybe even 36 months until we mm. see the full uh, recovery. Yeah. Um, and there's a variety of factors that need to come into play. Yeah. But I think it's it will be okay because we can have um, more time to like restructure the portfolio and some. Yeah, yeah I mean the underlying demand, like I say, yeah. is there. Whether it's um, for hotel rooms from tourism, yeah. uh, whether it's uh, for office space from office tenants, um, or whether it's in the residential sector, 
mm. uh, demand remains very strong. And we haven't even talked about the industrial sector, uh, yeah. which is which is another very attractive area of the market. And that's maybe an area once manufacturing orders pick up, mm. um, that's maybe an, uh, a sector of the market which can bounce back quicker. Um, at the moment, a lot of manufacturers are feeling the pain of low demand in, in the Western markets, in the US, in Europe, and to a certain extent, China as well. So mm. order books are very low, um, but those order books will come back as yeah. um, demand picks up um, in those more developed markets. And uh, then we'll see that manufacturing recovery. We'll start to see the industrial real estate uh, market uh, recover. And that, that could happen quicker. Um, mm. And that could happen as soon as the um, third or fourth quarter this year. Yeah. yeah. So with this market outlook, what is um, Cervo's Vietnam strategy? Our strategy is yeah. tr to retain our full service platform. Mm. Um, so all of the sectors that I've mentioned, we have very strong teams. We have dedicated industrial and logistics teams. We have a dedicated hotels team. Uh, we have very strong office leasing teams. We have our residential sales teams. Uh, we have dedicated retail teams um, as well. Um, and, and to support those transactional teams, we've got a very strong advisory and research platform as well. We carry out the valuation work. Um, and then at the core currently, in terms of cash flow, we have our very large property management business. Um, and that uh, allows us um, to continue to uh, be profitable in, in a difficult market, even when transactional businesses are slower um, and there's less transactions happening in the market uh, than perhaps in the past. But our core uh, strategy is to retain that full service platform, mm -hmm. um, remain there for our clients, our developer clients, our occupier clients, um, whichever sector of the market they may be in and whatever um, service uh, they may require. Um, so that's really the, the core uh, strategy. Yeah. yeah. Be there for our clients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Through difficult times. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Hope you can do that uh, <laughs> soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but looking back to 22 years ago, I know that Savills have many branches over the world. So how, why, why did you choose uh, Savills Vietnam? Um, yeah. It wasn't specifically Savills Vietnam, I chose Vietnam. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, my, my story is that I had a very good friend in Hanoi oh. uh, who was running a tourism business. Um, I was working in real estate in London at mm. the time and he persuaded me to come out oh. uh, to Vietnam and we went on a motorbike trip in the north of Vietnam. And I met um, the person who was running the Chesterton business in Vietnam at, at the time. This was in 2000, the year 2000. Yeah. Um, and we got chatting and um, he said, well, I have a position coming up in Saigon. Would you be interested? Oh. Um, so I said, well, I'm on holiday. I have to go back to work in London, but let's keep in contact. <laughs> and four months later, I arrived in uh, Ho Chi Minh City having never seen the place before. I'd only <laughs> been in Hanoi in the north of Vietnam and I haven't looked back and it's now 22 years that I've been here. <laughs> yeah. But why, just like a coincidence or? Um, it was a hunch. Um, <laughs> I had traveled in Asia uh, when yeah. I was younger 
Um, loved Asia in general, hadn't been to Vietnam. Mm. Um, but I think it was um, at a time of, in my career, maybe I'd, I'd been working for five years in London. Uh, maybe mm. I was ready for a change and um, mm. fate stepped in. Um, and it, it's been an amazing success story. When I mm. arrived in Vietnam, the company had 25 people. Mm. Today, we are in excess of 2,600 uh, uh -huh. employees. So, yeah, um, we've been a great success story in large part because of the growth in the real estate market. Mm. Um, but I like to think that we've built a fantastic team along the way as well. Mm. Yeah. But how, uh, like the difference between uh, the real estate in the UK and Vietnam? Faster moving. Um, it's all a bit slow in the UK, um, <laughs> uh, whereas in Vietnam, things can move much faster. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're in a down period at the moment, but there are periods in my 20 plus years in Vietnam where the markets moved exceptionally fast. Mm. Um, the industrial and logistics sector uh, in the last five years being a prime example. Um, but when we first moved into the holiday home market in Da Nang, for example, um, it went from really nothing to um, one of the most attractive holiday home markets in the region. So things can change and move uh, very quickly uh, here. And um, for me as a professional, it's fascinating to be involved in such a broad range of projects. If you're working in real estate in, in the UK, <laughs> yeah. you're typically only working in the office sector uh, or the industrial sector in a given geographical location. Mm -hmm. But here in Vietnam, we get uh, a taste of so many different projects, different clients, different nationalities of clients, um, projects um, from the north in Van Don all the way to Phu Quoc in the south. Um, and uh, that's fascinating. Mm, yeah. So more challenging and also more interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But how about you as an investor, a real estate investor, I guess, uh, with your tw over 22, uh, 22 years in Vietnam, you yeah. must have some kind of uh, investment in property? Uh, maybe more my wife. Uh, uh, yeah. My wife's my real real estate expert. Oh, really? Um, but yes, we, we own the house that we live in. Um, uh, it's been a fantastic investment. We love uh, where we live uh, in yeah. Fumi Hung. Oh. Um, but we also have a holiday home in Ho Cham. So we've made a few uh, uh, good investments over the years. Um, mm. Not too over the top, but in general, <laughs> real estate has been uh, in Vietnam has been mm. um, a good performer. Yeah. yeah. So can you review some of your requirements to choose these? Uh, I investments? think for me, um, whether I'm buying to, to live in uh, in reality or whether I'm buying as an investment, uh, the first question I always ask is, would I live in, mm. in the apartment? Is it somewhere that I would want to live? Um, if it's a piece of land, is that somewhere that I would like to build a house to live in? Mm. Um, if, if you don't want to live there yourself, maybe other people will say the same thing. Mm. So I think that's the first question I ask. Um, if you believe that it's somewhere you would want to live, chances are the value will go up because other people will think the same thing. Mm. You know? Good advice. <laughs> But uh, yes, yeah, so, so your wife is Vietnamese, right? My wife is Vietnamese, yes. Ah. Yeah, Originally from the north of Vietnam. Ah, <laughs> so she moved to Saigon? Yes, yeah. yeah. Ah. 
So um, how can you balance your yeah, working life as the managing director of Cyprus Vietnam and your family life? Well, in Vietnam, we're blessed with a country where there are many different travel options. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe in making the most of any holiday uh, that we can take in, as a family. Um, so we've traveled extensively uh, throughout Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it with family, some of it myself. But uh, <laughs> we, um, I, I love traveling within Vietnam. Um, and I think that's reflected in the success of domestic tourism and the growth mm-hmm. of domestic tourism. We're very lucky to have so many different places to visit, um, whether it's cultural um, places, uh, whether it's the mountains, whether it's the beach. Um, uh, and all of the food options that go with that <laughs> and uh, the different people uh, up and down the country. So we're blessed with an amazing country to, to travel in. Um, we also like uh, going back to Scotland um, and I value being able to show my children where I grew up. Um, mm. Scotland's a beautiful country. Um, my parents live in a highland mountain area. So we go back and we uh, enjoy the outdoor um, environment when we're back in Scotland. Um, and I'm a keen skier. Oh. Not quite sure how that fits with me ending up in <laughs> Vietnam because there isn't much skiing in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we try to go on an annual ski holiday um, oh. as a family as well. Oh, yeah. interesting yeah. to know that. But um, like, are there any cultural gaps you're still adapting to right now? Um, Nothing in particular, but one thing that has frustrated me at times over the years is uh, Vietnam time. Um, really? And uh, people not turning up to meetings on time or leaving <laughs> you waiting in a reception oh, area. Um, maybe I've uh, adapted myself. Maybe I, I have flexi time as well. I'm not sure. Oh. But I remember that bit as being something that uh, has frustrated me in the past. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm a pretty easygoing person in general. I think that's maybe one of the reasons that I've enjoyed uh, living and working in Vietnam for so long is that I've been able to adjust somewhat to the culture. Is it the criteria for your uh, the tent, uh, for your employee in Stavos, Vietnam to be on time? Um, <laughs> I'm a believer in uh, being on time is important. Yeah, time management's uh, yeah. important if you want to be uh, a successful uh, professional in the real estate yeah, business. I think I think. So. Yeah, yeah. Ma- maybe not Japan time, a little bit more flexible. But, mm. but how about your hobbies? Besides, yeah, is there anything you have to quit when you move to Vietnam besides skiing? Um, there's not so much um, uh, fishing, which I enjoyed. Ah. Um, so my type of fishing is fly fishing. Um, fly fishing. Vietnamese fishing is a little bit different to, to what uh, yeah. I grew up with. Um, I actually picked up uh, cycling when I came to Vietnam, mm-hmm. road cycling. Yeah. And that's something I've really enjoyed and um, has helped me keep a little bit fitter than I might be <laughs> otherwise. Um, and we have a really fun cycling group uh, that we cycle mm-hmm. with each weekend. Um, sometimes we go to places like Bao Lok or um, I was a, on a charity cycle ride um, oh, back in March um, up in Pulung and Mai Chau in the north, oh. which was beautiful. Um, so yeah, cycling's been a, a great passion here. I'm a little bit embarrassed as a Scotsman 
um, <laughs> that I learned to play golf in Vietnam because Scotland is the home of golf. Yeah. But I came to Vietnam and learned how to play golf. My golf's still terrible, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I did enjoy playing golf in the, in the past. Less so now, um, mm. but more cycling at the moment. Yeah, thank you so much for your presence here today. We're ha so happy to have you here. Yeah, but as the last brief question, could you like give some advice to um, the companies uh, in the, the real estate market right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, many people are facing a lot of challenges currently. And I think the, the key is to be open to asking for advice. Yeah. Um, Uh, there are many people out there that can assist, um, and I hope that Savills are an important part of that. Um, but um, it, it is possible to navigate these challenges with the right advice, with the right strategies in place. Um, and that's what companies like Savills are here to, to help with, um, whether it's helping with market research, just to understand the dynamics of the market, how long a given sector or given project uh, may take to recover, mm. um, whether it's raising capital that we've talked about a, a lot today, M&A um, um, activity, what's the right strategy um, for a given business? And it's very different from one business to another. So adapting uh, the right strategy um, for the given investor or project. Um, and that's, that's again, where we can help. But Um, yeah, there, there are plenty of people out there that can help navigate these difficult times. So yeah. um, don't be afraid to ask for advice is my, yeah. my key. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm direction. sure Savos Vietnam is one of the leading real estate uh, services company. We certainly hope so. We believe so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so hope you get uh, some more success in the future. Right. Yeah, thank you thank so you much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank, thank you for you. having me. Yeah.